Sophia Loren said this, when you are a mother, you are never really alone in your thoughts. A mother always has to think twice, once for herself and once for her child. And I think if you're a mom, you'd say, yeah, that, that, that's, that's true. Mothers and all women who love with a mother's heart and influence the next generation for Jesus Christ at any level. This morning, we want you to know you're amazing, and we appreciate who you are. I want to talk to you this morning from, about the joyful sacrifices of motherhood from 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2. You can turn there in your Bibles, or you can see the Scripture on the screen as we go. And here's the truth I want you to take home with you today. The joyful sacrifices of Christ-exalting motherhood do two things. They honor God, and they pay eternal dividends. The joyful sacrifices of Christ-exalting motherhood honor God and pay eternal dividends in the lives of our children. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, it says, There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her, that is Penina, in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Imagine that, ladies. Your, your husband's other wife, I mean, that's... Don't imagine that, but... <laughs> your, your rival, and she's got kids, and you want kids, and she just gives you a fit every year about it. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? And then, just like a man, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Well, he was dumb as some of us, wasn't he, guys? I mean, the answer's no. Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. That was a reference to the Nazarite vow. He would be specially set apart to the service of God. And she, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul 
to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always, that is in the temple, serving with Eli the priest. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay there until, stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood there here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I ask of him, so now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. The joyful sacrifices of Christ-exalting motherhood honor God and pay eternal dividends. I want you to see four characteristics of this amazing mother that serves as an awesome example for us and encouragement to you in mothering today. Hannah shows us, first of all, that a God-honoring mother knows and trusts her God. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, if we move on into chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. For my, my mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. You see, Hannah knew her Savior. She knew and trusted her God. She knew where her strength came from. One mother, a contemporary Christian blogger today, Sarah Walton, says, Our children need a mom who loves Jesus more than a mom who does everything right. And that is what your kids need most, Mom. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, Jesus calls to all of us, but especially to you today, mothers, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, come and find your rest in me. Mothers, above all, your children need you to rest in Jesus with all the trust, with all the the weight of your soul to trust in him. Did you hear the kids sing earlier? They see Jesus in their mothers as they show them love. They'll see Jesus in you, and that's what they need. Absolutely the most. The starting place for every mother is resting in God's grace in Jesus. First, for your own soul, 
And then for the power and strength you need to tend the garden of your children's hearts. A God-honoring mother knows and trusts her God for all the grace and strength mothering calls for. And by the way, it calls for a whole lot. But secondly, a God-honoring mother sees her children as gifts from God, even as we've already talked about this morning. Hannah said, I prayed for this child. The Lord gave him to me, and I want to give him back to the Lord. Even Samuel's name had to do with the idea of, of, of Samuel being a gift given by God to Hannah. Every child is truly a gift from God. Not every circumstance surrounding every pregnancy even is ideal or in some cases good. Some, in fact, are tragic. But our sovereign God reigns as the author of life and the redeemer of the world with wisdom for far beyond ours and with grace that takes the most unlikely situations and turns them for his glory and our good. Just, just look at the cross. The greatest tragedy, the greatest injustice in all the world, God took that and used it for the salvation of the world. If he can do that, he can use difficult situations, even in the lives of children. There are some of you here this, this morning who are fostering children, who may be looking to adopt children, and, and, and those children come out of a, this very difficult situations. Others of you work with some of the toughest situations in families in our society, and yet God can bring redemption there into the life of that child, even through some of us, church, as we give our lives to, to be foster parents or adoptive parents in these difficult situations. But a God-honoring mother sees her children as gifts from God. Thirdly, a God-honoring mother prays earnestly to God. Hannah it says, prayed with deep anguish. She, she prayed to the Lord. She wept. She poured her heart out. She made a vow to God to give back to him her son if he would only give her a son. She prayed so, so intensely there before Eli. He thought she was drunk. She was just mumbling to herself. But no, her heart was so full, so so uh, full and overflowing in prayer to God. Hannah had a serious and close relationship with her God. Notice, Hannah knew her God well enough to know that she could freely and fully pour her heart out to Him. She didn't have to hold back. She knew He was gracious. She knew He understood her weakness and, and welcomed her prayers. Even when she didn't know for sure what the will of God for her family was. And don't miss verse 18. Once she had poured it all out to the Lord, she trusted him. The text says that when she got through praying and left, her face was downcast no more. She just gave it to him. She let go of it and left it with God. While there's no guarantee, there was no guarantee that God would give her a son. And sometimes, Mom, there's no guarantee that God will answer your prayer according to what seems the best to you. What Hannah knew and what you can know is that she could trust her father because he loved her and will always do what is best, even when we don't understand. Again, remember the cross. 
Jesus' disciples on the, on the night, on the day he died and the day after he died and, and the time between his death and his resurrection, they didn't understand and yet ultimate and everlasting good was coming on Sunday morning, on Easter Sunday morning, even when we don't understand. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish. He gave his Son to die on the cross so we could be saved. And then over in Romans 8, 32, Paul says, if God gave his own son for us through crucifixion as a blood sacrifice for our sins, if God would do that for us, don't you think he'll give us everything we need for life in the here and now to deal with whatever it is we're facing? You see, if that's the case, then mom, whatever... God's answer is for you is somehow for your good and for his glory in the end. A God-honoring mother prays earnestly to God for herself and for her children. But fourthly and finally this morning, a God-honoring mother fully follows Jesus. Hannah makes a vow. She gives as a sacrifice Samuel back to the Lord. You know, I think she really treasured that time up to Samuel's weaning. She stayed at home. Didn't even go up for the annual sacrifice. She, she had good time when he was a little bitty boy. We don't know exactly how many years that may have been. Maybe three to five years in that day, perhaps. But she spent that time. And, and, and we can only imagine what she said to Samuel during those days, Right? how she taught him the things of God, how she encouraged him with the beauty and the goodness of God, how she readied him, even as much as possible for a toddler and a little one like that, to spend his life serving God in the temple. Hannah gave herself and her son for God's use and for God's glory in the world. You know, Jesus told us, moms, dads, all of us, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, your own instrument of crucifixion, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it, but if you give up your life... For my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your own soul? Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to give it all up. You've got to die to yourself and give your life to me. And in the giving of your life, you find and receive back your life. Moms, that's true for you. It's also true for your child. The very best thing that your child can do is die to their own selves and follow Jesus. Do you believe that, moms? Hello. It kind of gets tough at this point, doesn't it? The 
The Great Commission Jesus calls us all to as His people is Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so that Great Commission, listen, that Great Commission is the mission of the church, right? Stay with me, even on Mother's Day. Yes and no. Yes is the answer. It is. It's our mission. But it's not just the mission of the local church. It's the mission of my family. It's the mission of your family if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Your mission, mom and dad, is not the great nest egg that gives you 20 years of ease called retirement. That's not your mission. Your mission is the nation's. That disciples be made of all nations. That is your family's mission. And that's how it can be our church family's mission together is if we individually own that mission. Amen? And so moms and dads, are we raising world Christians? Are we raising, no matter what their, their vocation, are we raising men and women who will become nation reachers? disciple-makers of the nations, be it at home or abroad. <laughs> we got six kids at the house, and they're all over the place. Right now, none of them are in or headed toward any sort of vocational ministry, like me, like I'm, like I'm a pastor, okay? My oldest one teaches autistic children. Now, that one... She's sick today, can't be here. She might end up somewhere different besides being a school teacher and an autistic, uh, teaches autistic boys, does an amazing job, loves that, but it's always had a heart for mission. She may end up somewhere different. My next one is, is starting PT school next, next month, physical therapy school. You know what I want Nathan to do? I want him to reach people for Christ in a PT clinic. I want him to develop relationships with people who may have been there for some, from some sort of injury, some sort of tragedy. I want, him to, I want him to communicate the goodness and love of God to them even as he helps them get better. And then there's Jonas, and he's headed uh, toward the civil engineering degree. He, he wants to, he, 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 right now he thinks he wants to be one of those civil engineers that builds bridges. We need some good ones around, Amen. And so I want him to make bridges to the glory of God. I want him to influence other engineers for the glory of God, to the glory of Christ. Work with those people in the field that actually, you know, they, he, he draws the pictures and says, here's how you do it. Work with the guys that are actually doing it. Show them Jesus. That's how we change the world. We got six. That's three. We don't, I mean, we don't have time for the rest. Karis. We'll just hit him real quick. No, I missed one. Bailey. Bailey's in the Air Force. He's in um, uh, uh, security forces training right now. He just had to fight his mil military training instructor this week, got punched in the face. He was sore for days. Yeah, he went through that. And so, you know, here's the thing. He's in the Air Force. Reaching other soldiers for the, for the glory of Christ. That's what I pray for him, that he'll reach them with the love of Christ. He'll show them what it means to know Jesus. Karis, junior in high school, Fixing to be a senior. Ah, what, I, what she's thinking, who knows? It could change. Is child life specialist. 
I think what that means is this is someone who would work in, in, a, in a hospital like Children's Health Care of Atlanta and work with children who are walking through difficult stages of life and, and be sort of a liaison between the hospital staff and the parents and the child and just walk through that experience with the child to the glory of Christ and, and with the love of Christ and with the message of the gospel, right? You see, it doesn't matter. And Grant, hey, life's just a party right now. He's headed to the NFL. And if he does, he better run the football to the glory of Christ. That's what we're praying. Wherever he ends up. He, when we pray at supper, he prays and he, and he thanks God for uh, sending his son, down on the cross for our sin. He got saved just in the last year or so, and we, we rejoice in that. So, so it doesn't matter what your kids do. They can be disciple makers of the nations. And by the way, the nations are in our backyard right now. My son goes to school with a guy that came to Atlanta to go to Kennesaw State, or Southern Poly used to be, to, to learn engineering from India. You don't have to go to the other side of the world to do missions. Just go to work. <laughs> Just get a job. And then start talking about Jesus. Matthew 9, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And that's where our children come in. Ask the Lord, and then, Mom, raise them for the kingdom. Train them and send them out into whatever they go into vocationally as disciple makers for Jesus. In Mark 10, 28 to 31, Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. It could cost your kids something, by the way. They may never have much money. Or they may have to go to a, a place that costs both you and them. You don't get to see them that often. And, and that could be in any job, not just missions or the like. Yes, Jesus replied. You have, Peter. Gave up everything. And I assure you that everyone who's given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mother, children, and property, along with persecution. That's promised. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. You see, this is what it means to follow Jesus. To give our children fully to God and to train them to live out His purposes in this world. This is the fullness of what these young couples were saying to us earlier. And their commitment. Remember when I said that giving your children to the Lord could be costly both for you and your child? This is what I was talking about. But hear Jesus' words, whatever you give, whatever sacrifice you make, God will repay a hundred times in this life, albeit with persecution, and eternally in the life to come. You can't outgive God. You'll always receive more than you give to God. In fact, it is His abundant grace given to us that enables any and all real giving on our part. Check out 1 Samuel 2, 21 as we... Get ready to close. And the Lord blessed Hannah 
This is after the story read, we've already read. And she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Six kids. Baron Hannah got Samuel plus five. A God-honoring mother fully fully follows Jesus by not holding back anything from his kingdom's purposes, even her own children. I'm thankful for my mama today who lived this out, this message out for me and my sister and continues to do so for us today as well as all of our children. I'm thankful for the mama of my four children, Robin, who likewise lived out this message and packed a whole lot of parenting and mothering into 19 years. And by the grace of God, her influence lives on in the lives of my kids. She wrote this one time in an essay she was doing for something with Nathan. My song for my children is that there is hope to be found in God's Word, the Bible, and His loving character. She meant His grace. She wanted the kids to love the Bible and love and understand the grace of God. And the testimony I can give you today is my four kids know that. By the grace of God, they know that. And I'm thankful for Betsy this morning, who's an amazing mom to her boys and a great stepmom to my kids, especially to Karis. Moms, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, women who are mothers, while maybe not technically, thank you. Be a mom like Hannah. Give your life to show them Jesus and raise them to honor God. The joyful sacrifices of Christ-exalting motherhood honor God and pay eternal dividends. The Bible has all kind of stories. This one is a neat story. It's awesome to see how Hannah lived, but it doesn't always work that way, right? Not every family's that way. Maybe you've not been the mother you see from the Word of God you should have been. The Bible's full of twists and turns and unexpected things. And I couldn't help but think of the story of Rahab. Rahab was a strange woman, the King James Version says. She sold her body to make a living. But God changed her heart, and she came to love and fear God. In fact, she became a national heroine in the, in the nation of Israel. And more importantly, she became a godly mother of a man named Boaz, who we learn in the book of Ruth became the kinsman redeemer For the Moabitess, Ruth, he did what he didn't have to do. But he did the noble thing anyway, and he took Ruth as his wife. On top of that, Matthew, in his genealogy of Jesus Christ, 
the family tree of the Savior of the world, lists Rahab the prostitute in the line. God can take even a Rahab, make an amazing mother of her, and then use her as even the great, 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 great grandmother of the Savior of the world. Mom, even if you're here in failure today, know this. Jesus and his all-sufficient grace is there for you. And if he can do that in Rahab's life, he can take your life and use you for his glory to raise children for the kingdom of God. If he can give his own son, will give his own son to die, if he would raise him again for your salvation, then for him to change your life and your family tree is no big thing. He's an awful big God, an awful gracious God. The joyful sacrifices of Christ's exalting motherhood honor God and pay eternal dividends. Moms, will you invest? Will you invest your life in that? Those joyful sacrifices. May it be so in all of our families. Let's pray together.